I, I really hoped for rain for many, many years since I turned pro. Mm -hmm. I was hoping for rain for Roubaix. And finally, we got it. So it was perfect. But you know, it was also so dirty. So if you shit your pants because you're scared, no one could see it anyway. So. G'day, legends, and welcome back to the Pressure Room Podcast presented by Zwift. Good to have you, legends, back for another episode. This is episode 62. Notice I've just started uh, calling it the total. Instead of the seasons, etc. it's just easier. And hey, the whole number just looks a little better, doesn't it? 62, we're getting on. But I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode with Tobias Foss, uh, the world individual time trial champion. Um, shout out to everyone who got on board with that one and sent me some messages. That was really cool. And uh, yeah, look out for Tobias uh, this year. I think he's going to do some really good stuff, not only on the TT rig, but also in the GC of some big races. Uh, don't forget, in 2021, he was ninth in the Giro overall. So he's got a big future. But today's guest, legends, today's guest... This one was for me. Um, I mean, most of the podcasts are for me, to be honest, and then you guys just enjoy them. But Mads Pedersen from Trek Segafredo, he is my favourite cyclist. I just love Mads. I love the way he races. I love his personality off the bike. He's just a beast. I love him just looking at him on the bike. He just looks so strong, and, um, yeah, he's just built for the classics, and it was so good to have him on. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, what we sort of discuss on this podcast, a whole heap of stuff. We talk about the pre-season rituals that Trek Segafredo go through, in particular the new riders, you know, what kind of hazing stuff is going on? Do they stitch them up with a big party and get them, uh, <laughs> get them on the turps, or do they do things like that? We talk about that with Mads. We talk about his focus on the classics, and more specifically, we talk about Roubaix. He is so driven to win Roubaix. It's the only race I think he really cares about. Of course, he's won everything. He's won stages and all the all the Grand Tours except the Giro. Um, he's got so much more to win, but Roubaix is his white whale. Um, and I really think the year he was going to win was that year that Luke Rowe took him out uh, when he lost control of his bike. I think that was the year, but he's got plenty uh, of opportunities coming up and um, this year, well, fingers crossed. So we talk about Roubaix, we talk about um, celebrating his wins and sort of he's got this uh, trademark celebration. I don't know, it's something to do with the Trek boys. They've all got him. Um, we also talk about Danish delicacies. We talk about Aussie delicacies uh, in terms of food. We just go into a whole heap of stuff. And, um, you know, I have to say, Mads is not a big fan of doing media. You know, that's why he doesn't do a lot, because he just wants to ride his bike. But he did warm into this. After the first couple of minutes, you warmed into it, and you get to see the Mads that I really enjoy uh, seeing, um, you know, on the social media and that sort of stuff. So I know you guys are going to love this one. Um, shout out to Jacob from Trek, who um, really got on board with this one and helped me um, tee up Mads in the preseason. And if you're wondering how I actually got him on the pod, guys, well, I... I sent a meme to Mads and Jacob, um, and the meme, you know, it was one of those real basic style memes, but geez, it hit the mark, and I think it's what really got me over the line for this podcast with Mads. Um, I put the meme that I posted on the Patreon, so that's one of those little things you can see if you want to support the podcast, um, if you've got the means to, uh, and help me, you know, pay for all this stuff, I suppose, that I'm, that I'm doing. Um you can go on the Patreon, the link's in the description, sign up, five bucks a month. Um, shout out to Andy Matthews, 
he, um, Andy Matthews, he signed up six days ago. Legend. So I put that meme up on there as well as a few other bits and pieces this week. But legends, you know, this is it, right? You know, just I love doing these podcasts. I really hope you enjoy this one with Mads. Um, shout out to Zwift, of course, as presenting partner of the podcast. Megan is in the other room right now. She's racing on Zwift. She's on the Zwift Racing League. And if you haven't done Zwift Racing, there's some sort of club-style everyday races and then they have the Zwift Racing League which is this really organised league with leaderboards grades it's super cool um, I actually had to redo this whole audio because Megan was in the other room yelling um, because she was getting close to the <laughs> sprint finish <laughs> so funny I think she won so she's going to be pretty stoked and of course Smith Optics and Attacker supporting the podcast it's so good guys so check out smith optics check out uh attacker if you need some bibs or some glasses as well with smith and um yeah but that's it guys let's get stuck into the episode i hope you enjoyed this one with matt Pedersen, and i'll see you on the other side the most important part. so you've got um the team camp on now what's what are you doing there at the start of the season? Is it like a meet and greet for the new cyclists and you've got like all your new equipment partners, all that sort of stuff? Are you setting all that up? What's sort of involved? Yeah, so we don't have a lot of new riders. I think we have, uh, what is it, three new riders on the team. So it's not it's not that many new faces uh, and also equipment is it's pretty much the same. So for us, it's basically taking pictures of new clothing and uh, making Trek happy with new helmets and so on. And then, uh, yeah, talking with media, of course, the first few days here. And then uh, from tomorrow on, it's a full focus on on training and, and doing what we are best best at. Yeah, yeah. So with the with the photos of the new kit, you must be getting pretty used to the um, pretty used to doing the photos like they've all got the style you know you got to do the pull down the sleeve and you get pretty good at that yeah same shit as, uh, as last year you know it's <laughs> it's always the same but uh we're getting used to it now so that's uh that's fine but uh, it's a part of the job and uh just uh, get the best out of it and uh smile and wave <laughs> yeah do you guys do any uh like any uh, sort of social or non-cycling activities when you're in training camp during the first sort of intro intro of the year? Uh, this we already did. We had um, a camp in US in uh, October already mm-hmm. where the whole team was together. And uh, back then, of course, we have a, a good introduction to all the new new people on the team. So mm-hmm. that was nice. But here it's mainly meeting and meetings and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to uh, anti-doping, um, to whereabouts, uh, SRAM, Pirelli, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's it's a few meetings every day. Yeah, okay. A bit of TSS, a bit of mental TSS. Exactly. A me- yeah. mental fatigue. Yes. And uh, when you have new riders on the team, you mentioned you don't have a few, um, you know, as many this year, but maybe in previous years. Do the especially the neo pros? Is there any sort of like rituals or anything you guys do for the new riders? Do they get I don't know have to do some crazy ramp test? Is there anything like that? Uh, they have to do quite some shots, uh, <laughs> and the sizes of the shots we are deciding. Um, 
Yeah. So that's basically it. Uh, we play a little game, and the main thing about that game is that they can only lose. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so there will never be a winner. So uh, that's basically what what we do. Otherwise, we only have have a good time and enjoying uh, new faces on the team. Mm. Did you pass that test? Yeah, everyone will pass, but uh, uh, it, it's a hard day the day after. Let's say it like this. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, with your off-season Mads, do you do you find it diff or do you find it hard to um, have the time off the bike? Well, the first two weeks it's pretty nice. Uh, you know, it's it's nice to leave the bike and don't have to train that much and think about food and all the other stuff we normally have to to think about. You know, stretching and and all that shit. Uh, but after a few weeks, it's also getting a bit annoying. Um, my wife starts to to be annoyed from all the energy I have and and so on. So then it starts to be okay. I want to go back on the bike, and then uh, yeah, after four weeks, it it's back on the bike, and then everyone is happy in the little home again. So uh, that's perfect. <laughs> okay, and when you're in that period when you're having the time off the bike, do you do anything? Any other, any kind of sport outside of cycling? You do any gym, any running, anything crazy like that? No, no. That that month is all about resting and don't think about sports. You know, some guys they would prefer to run or something. Mm. Maybe I do that after three weeks, but then we are down to two runs uh, in that that in that last week before I start riding again. So I, I don't do a lot. I just relax and spend the time with friends and family and. Uh, yeah, do whatever I want in, in, in those three, four weeks. Mm, okay. And I guess you're, I've read recently about, um, you know, what some of your targets will be for, for 2023. And of course the classics, you know, that's part of your, part of your game, what you're, what you'd be aiming for for next year. But how, how are like, how would you pre- prepare for the classics? Like in terms of the training that you're actually doing, like, is it, a focus on like the amount of kilometers you're riding is it are you focusing on specific efforts after a certain kilojoule burnt or is it just intervals or are you someone that just gets brings up to race fitness by racing um so i never look a lot into the the deep plan you know i have a coach to to take care about this and and i do whatever he says so for sure, it's a deeper meaning about what he's doing, and and for sure, it's an idea behind doing, uh, let's say, one minute all out after five hours, um, because the races is pretty long in the classics. So, but basically, it's a lot of kilometers. Of course, uh, you have to get used to doing six and a half hours on the bike, um, and then it's a good mix of doing, you know, normal medium from, from the beginning, low cadence, high cadence, uh, doing high cadence sprints, uh, heavy sprints. It's, it's a good mix of everything. Mm. But of course the last weeks before, before the big race, it's, it's really the fine tuning. So it's like, you know, one minute all out, say 40, 20 is uh, two minutes all out, all that kind of stuff. But before that, it's basically building up, a big engine before you start to tune it mm. yeah okay i was watching um some of the races last year and you had such a good season mads and the, the one result that sticks out in my mind that um could have been or in my opinion could have been more was 
uh, at Roubaix. You're, you're unlucky in Roubaix when oh, maybe it was maybe Luke Rowe had the accident. You know, he was came into the middle of the road when you were there, but um, and took you down. But Roubaix seemed like you seemed like you were floating that day uh, watching that race, and that was already last year. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, this year, I mean. Um, but <laughs> the Roubaix must be something that you you would love to just get to the end, you know, and see what you can do. Yeah, I said so many times I'm, I'm racing a little bit to win it, but maybe I have to start focusing on finishing the race uh, before talking about winning. Yeah. Uh, I had a few years with, with I would still say, bad luck with crashes. Um this year maybe a little bit more uh, a mix of bad luck and not being smart enough uh, sitting too far behind when the peloton split um but definitely i have some unfinished business with the uh, with paris um yeah. and and this year is definitely one of one of my main goals to do good so i want to have a you know a high level as i had this whole 2022 season yeah. And I want to start the 23 season uh, on the same level and, and keep performing over the whole year and then hopefully have no bad luck and no stupid moves in, in the most important races for me, like Flanders and Orbe. Yeah. Well, what's one of the hardest things about racing Roubaix, do you think? Apart from the race itself, it's obviously bloody hard, but like outside of that. It it takes a lot to to look at all the material and 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 make sure that everything is it's hundred percent perfect. Uh, you have to know the exact tire pressure, the size of the wheels, the size of the tires. You know, it's so much more than just racing from A to B. You have you should have to make it to from A to B. Also, you know, the equipment have to last all the way, and it's a <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty tough race. So it's it's so much more than just being lucky and strong. You also have to make sure that your material will go all the way to the finish. And uh, that's also why I, I like Obey that, that much. You have really to go into the details if you want to be in the mix of winning. Hmm. Yeah, 100%. Do you, I mean, you said before that with your training, uh, you sort of leave it up to the coach and you just see the program, go out and do it. But when it comes to the equipment on Roubaix and the classics, are you paying attention there? Or are you going, right, this is my bike, it's at this PSI I'm running it? Or do you dive into it? I dive into it. Uh, I'm I'm really into all the material and uh, all that kind of stuff. And I want it to be best best possible. So I try out a lot and I also come with a lot of, lot of ideas and luckily right now the team is you know really happy to to test this and, and try it out with me so that's pretty nice so when when I start you know when I'm at the start line in in Paris when we when we do the race I know that I, I can't do more now mm -hmm. it's all up to the legs on the day you know the equipment is on 100 percent uh, everything is working as it should so hmm. I, I I'm I'm well prepared when uh, when we start Paris Roubaix. Hundred uh, percent. Do you think? Um, well, actually, that brings me on to my next point. Uh, <coughs> you had a ripper season at the Welter. That was really cool seeing you there. Take the jersey, super cool. Take the green jersey, um, and all the, and the three stage wins, I believe. When you when you when you get a victory, Mads, I've noticed you have the same celebration. Every every yeah. win is that uh, yeah. is on purpose? You know the double. 
yeah you have to put your hands over the head when you're winning and uh <laughs> it was like it's like a signature now yeah you know i just put the hands up and, and then that's how it looks like you know some guys <laughs> they do like this and some like this and i just put them like this uh then it also looks looks the same on all the pictures when they when they're like this but it's that's it's great. nothing i'm really thinking about i just think i'm i'm doing it luckily i got more used to it this year yeah so yes. it's, yeah so it's it comes more natural than it did before. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of your teammates has my very favourite celebration and probably Koo's least favourite. Oh, no. what, what are your sunglasses? Who makes the sunnies? Uh, can we say that? Okay. podcast is being released. When is the podcast coming out? Before the classics. Yeah, but... March, March, March April. 100%. Oh, okay. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to say my favorite celebration is from Julio uh, Shikoni. Ah, when you <laughs> throw the glasses. Yeah, the sunglasses. I, I wonder if he ever gets them back. But No, no. He, he, but the cool, they really love this. It, it was super good marketing for them. You know, it was a yeah. good story. If it did it. So they just gave him a shit on the glasses and hope he would win some more. <laughs> I love it. I think every prominent, you know, the top of the top should have their own special celebration. I think that just, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's the session. Well, at one point, you have to stop, you know, You're, not everyone can get a new one. <laughs> you are true. You, know, you can't take the one from Alberto. It's that's his, and now that's taken. So it's not easy to find a new, new thing. Yeah, maybe they just need to look to Australia for inspiration because we can come up with some pretty crazy celebrations across all our sports. Then, then you should make a website where you can order, like, this is my new uh, celebration, and then we pay, uh, or someone will pay you 500 euros for doing it, and then they can call it the victory of uh, of Jasper Stoven. <laughs> I like that. He should just have a chocolate bar. little chocolate bar just pulls out. Yeah. Has a little square... Throws the rest yeah, of them. Hey, you and Jasper are such a good duo when you're racing. Do you think when you're racing with um, Jasper that he and you to him, you make each other better on the day? I always said if you play, if you play poker, uh, if you sit with a pair of kings, it's quite okay. Love it. Love it. I really do. That's great. Do you think, on the other hand, though, can you could a teammate um, could it be the opposite? Could a teammate make you worse on the day? Of course. Hmm. Some days, like it takes out my chances hundred percent. A hmm. good example will be uh, again Bevelgem. Jasper was in the break, and I was feeling super good. And I, I truly believe if we if we managed to go to a sprint, I would have won the sprint. Hmm. But Jasper, he was in the break, so hmm. from having such a good teammate who was able to be in the break and actually fighting for the win. It also cost me the win. Mm. But at that point, I look at it like Jasper, he's my friend and he's also a super good cyclist. Yeah. So now he's there yeah. and now he's taking his chance to win. Mm. And then I also know that the, the day I'm in his position and he's in mine, I can trust him 100% that he's not doing anything to close me down. Mm -hmm. So if you have a good friendship and you have a lot of respect for each other, 
then I, I think it works out to sit with a pair of kings. Yeah, love a pair of kings. I love that. When you won uh, your stage at the Vuelta, you get given the the little the doll. Like, I'm wondering. I was trying to see what what animal is it. it looks kind of like a rat, or a, or a cat. What is it? It's a wolf, isn't it? No, it's not a wolf. Wolf, is it? Yeah, no, it's not a wolf. It's like kind of a cat thing. Yeah, uh, like that's a... true. I, I don't know what it is. Okay. I, to be honest, I, I will ask them. Then uh, Jacob, he can tell you. I, I have no idea, but I will ask the organization what it is. <laughs> it's not the, the the origin or the the anatomy of the of the animal is not important. I just wondered if you kept the the dolls or did you give them away? Um, I kept uh, one two for myself, but then I basically gave away for for the staff who had kids. Oh, they got one. Yeah, and uh, all the riders also got one. Oh, cool. Okay, and I asked uh, earlier this year. I spoke with um, Eliza or Lisa Barsamo, and uh, I asked her if she had any, um, if she had any uh, world championship colored stuff that wasn't bike related. So she said she had a phone case that had some world championship bands. Um, and something else. And I wondered when you were world champion, did you have anything with the stripes on it? Like maybe your bed sheets, I don't know, a suit, something. Nothing. I had absolutely nothing. <laughs> I had a suit. From cycling. Yeah, but that's cycling related. It's a cycling yeah, not a, I'm talking a suit at the time. Yeah, exactly. I got from Centini, I got a gift that it was like a cycling jersey looking like a suit. But where the tie was world champion stripes, but that's still cycling related, and that's a gift from a sponsor. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I didn't have any non-cycling related uh, stuff with the with the stripes on. I see. Did you did you wear that item anywhere? No, I have it on on the wall at home. Nice, nice. But I, I didn't wear it. <laughs> that's a unique gift. I like that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh yeah right so that leaves the the giro the only you haven't won a stage of giro yet right oh not yet mm. have you raced the giro before yeah two times two times okay were you close in any stages i can't remember no not really uh, it was my first and second year on the team so we definitely had all the goals then than trying to get a young gun doing a, a top 10 or something. So I was I was not really close. Hmm. Okay, okay. What, uh, I guess, looking to next year as well, um, can you tell me what your favourite race is on the calendar? One race Probably. you don't choose. Rubé. Yeah. Okay. That's the big dance. Oh. Yeah. And, okay, but what about this? What if it rains? Probably it's still <laughs> wow okay when uh that wet edition a couple of years ago i remember reading and talking to a few cyclists as well um actually i think i spoke to ellen van dyke the day before and she said how she was pretty scared uh of the of the race looking outside the day before and a lot of other riders said the same that the night before were you a bit anxious about it Oh, I was sleeping like a baby. 
Wow. I, I really hoped for rain for many, many years since I turned pro. I was hoping for rain for Roubaix. And finally, we got it. So it was perfect. But, you know, it was also so dirty. So if you shit your pants because you're scared, no one could see it anyway. So it was pretty okay. Yeah, that's pretty nice, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Good. Ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So for this year just gone, 2022, the whole season, Matt, um, who was a rider outside of your team um, that surprised you throughout the year? Could have been during a race that you were there or it could have been a race you weren't there. Big surprise. Yeah. Mm. I wouldn't say I was I was a little bit surprised about Remco's uh, win in, in the Vuelta. It was not a huge surprise because I knew he, he was capable of doing it. But it's it's really tough to win a Grand Tour, and also when you know you saw the past seasons how he was aiming for for Gito and how he failed it, yes, fell away. And now he's really racing up, and he you know he rode um, he rode the Welter like like a big champ, like he owned the race. So yeah, it, it was a small surprise. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. Question marks about the third week. You're just not sure until. Someone yeah. rides through consistently, exactly. or not. Yeah, yeah. Mm, but now he's now he's done it, and yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. But now the hard time starts to do it again and again and again. Yeah, if if you were him, because I find it really interesting. Sometimes the 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 path people take um, as young and promising GC contenders, you know, they often start in the Vuelta because it seems like there's less pressure at the Vuelta of all the tours, a bit more relaxed. End of the season, you might have had a good start to the season, so whatever you do is extra. And then once, if you take the win, it's usually go to the Giro, then maybe go to the Tour. And I wondered if you were in his position, would you, outside of parkours, imagine they're about the same, would you go to the Giro or would you go to the Tour next year? I will do exactly like he's doing. I would 100% go to Giro, uh, show that he can do this one more time, get a lot more confidence again, uh, performing all three weeks, fighting for the win, for the GC win. And then after that, when he wins the Giro next year, then he goes to the Tour and then he's you know full of confidence. He knows he can be there three weeks in a row. Uh, the team is also stronger around him because... Quickstep was always a classics team, and now they're moving slowly also to be a GC team. So they also have to build the perfect team around him. So I think it's a perfect way they're doing it. Mm, okay. And uh, one of your, the first time I heard of you, Mads, and I've been a big fan since you're one of my favorite riders. And um, the first time I heard of you was at the Herald Sun Tour when you took that victory. Uh, on one of the stages, maybe you won two. Do you mean one? I only won one. One one. That's right. You beat maybe Steel Van Hoff, who's a he's a common yeah. games. Uh, good man, good man. But uh, I wondered if you had a favorite Australian cuisine or food or anything while you were there. Did you try anything? If you're looking for Vegemite, then it's a no go. <laughs> nah. <laughs> That's pretty fucking you know disgusting. <laughs> it's a bizarre food. It, I mean, a bizarre I mean, spread. Well, I'd rather lick asphalt than I want to eat that on my bread. 
Okay, and last one. If I'm going to Denmark, what is the dessert that I have to try? Wow, shit. That's a tough one. Is it? We have in the window, we have like a really good kind of apple cake with cream and like some crispy, crispy bread. What's it called? Uh, uh, cake. Apple cake. Oh, <laughs> okay. So it's 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 pretty easy, but it tastes really good. And it's also a little bit heavy, so it's nice for the winter. It's not, you know, I would never eat it in the summer. It's, it's too, let's say, too nasty and too heavy for that. <laughs> but that's a, a proper Danish, uh, Danish dessert I would eat. I'm looking at it now with the apples kind of like sprayed on top. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's more like... Um, it's I, I find a picture then you can i can show it to you yeah nut free it looks i'm having a look now it looks pretty thick is it like a sponge with a sponge center yeah it's more like no that's like an apple cream you can see it here oh yeah nice so Man, it's like crispy uh, kind of something in the bottom and then you have the apple uh cream whatever you can call it and then just normal cream on the top and then it's 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 good that's outstanding that's outstanding i like the soft and crunchy that's the perfect yeah. mm -hmm. exactly mm. okay well mads thank you very much for coming on the press room podcast and um, thank you you would have been hanging out for this today so i'm glad we could uh just keep it going <laughs> Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having right. me. Thanks, Legend. Cheers, Matt. Right. Thank you. Bye. All right, Legends. That's another episode of the Press Room Podcast done and dusted. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Matt Pedersen, for coming on the podcast. And uh, yeah, if you like this one, share it with a mate, tell a friend about it, follow us on Instagram, on all the stuff, the Twitters and all that sort of stuff on, on YouTube and put some reels up on there. Um, the Patreon's in the description if you want to sign up and support the pod that way. But otherwise, keep on listening, legends. And um, yeah, little uh, excerpt for next week, next week's episode. Well, we're going to go into the science of cycling. It's going to be something a little different and I reckon you guys are going to love it. Okay, legends, see you next week.